Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 940 with Andrew Choi and Patrick Buffon. One of the things that I want for this place is to have people to walk in happy and excited to be here. And if someone is kind of sucking that away from us, that's really not the end of the line. But if, and then you're doing other things behind my back that I lose trust in you. That for me is, I can't, I can't function with that. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a team management platform built specifically for restaurants. Looking to make your life easier? Then Seven Shifts is your secret weapon to better understand your restaurant, hit labor targets, and keep your entire team connected. With drag and drop scheduling, in-app communication, task management, tip management, and more, it makes restaurant work a lot easier. In fact, I haven't come across a restaurant tour using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Restaurant Unstoppable listeners get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S.com slash unstoppable to get three months free and join over 30,000 restaurants using seven shifts today. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro and they are launching their first time ever 60 day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60 day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, co-owner and GM of Jensei Moto, Andrew Choi. Andrew, are you feeling unstoppable today? Hell yeah, brother. Awesome, dude. Um, so super excited to be here. A special shout, shout out to Claudia over at Chicago Foodie. She's also behind the Back of House podcast. And so you think you want to run up a, a restaurant podcast. Mm-hmm. I love getting my feet on the ground in the city and just talking to people in the industry saying, you know, success, you recognize success, you know, this, this community who's doing it right. And she had a really great things to say about what you're doing here. I did a little bit of digging and I, and there, it feels like there's a level of scrappiness here too, the, sure. uh, of like making it come together. And I want to, I want to, I want to show that. I want to bring that to the surface. And I, I'm, I'm super excited to, to to get this the conversation go. Oh yeah. So basically, you're here because the city of Chicago has recognized you and recognizes you as as someone who's going to make some shit happen. Yeah. So what, what's going through your mind as I'm saying this? Um, it's a little surreal. I'm not going to lie. When we first started it, I mean. It was a COVID project, a little bit of a vendetta 
I guess when we started it, we had no idea. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to have to interrupt you because I did yeah. promise somebody where we take a shot together. So actually, while we're before we do this, um, what are we, what, what's in my hand right now? Ex- explain explain the scenario to the. That's the Malort. Malort. <laughs> That's Chicago's uh, darling child, essentially. Um, it's a bitter liqueur, wormwood, like grapefruit. It's very bitter. Yeah. Um, and this is a part of the story because we're right next yeah. door to the Malort distillery. Correct. So you guys are you're in the Malort space, right? Yep. And uh, I don't want to keep your bartender uh, hanging out here. So a little cheers. He said he would join us on a shot. We want to get the shot cheers, down. Guys. I've heard that I should brace myself for this. <laughs> uh, that's not that bad. <laughs> It's the aftertaste, and it lingers. I got a water here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely different. Yeah. Would you call this a digestive? Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. I know that you recommend having a shot at the end of your meal. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the type of meal. Not for like the omakase. I'm not trying to ruin experiences, but uh, <laughs> it is fun to do with like if you're having a lot of fun with the guests or people are just being super nice and genuine. That's like a thing that like, we like to do. We like to show some love and be like, hey, we freaking appreciate you coming out here and yeah. spending time with us. There's a million places to go in this city. So just describing this Malort uh, shot, bitter for sure. Yeah. What's, what's the story, the history behind this? Um, about with Malort, Malort or yeah. how it ended up here. Well, we're going to get to that, but okay. I figured we might as well pay a little homage to your your, your next door neighbor. Yeah. Um, so CH, you're talking about CH Distillery? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. DH, oh, CH yeah. Distillery, so CH which Distillery, produces Malort. Yeah. They've been here for about 10 years now. Uh, Tremaine Atkinson's the CEO, owner, head distiller. Um, and initially, I believe he wanted to start distilling vodka. Um, and then he he was doing like nine CH years vodka. ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he actually does make fantastic vodka. I love it. I drink it all the time. Um, maybe I shouldn't say it all the time, but I do drink <laughs> it. It's really really smooth. But I, um, he kind of came to the point where it's kind of hard to break into the vodka market. It's very saturated. You have like your heavy hitters like Tito's, Grey Goose, Belvedere. Yeah. Um, but he was always a fan of Malort. And then uh, I think he was always knocking on the door of trying to get Malort. He wanted to distill it. Um, so Malort isn't like a brainchild of his. I never no, really. Heard, I'm not, not familiar with it's it. It's a. It's a. It's an old old liqueur. Um, started in. Oh man, I should know the history a little bit better. I believe yeah. it's a Swedish liqueur, um, but it was made here in Chicago, and then the company who owned it they moved to Florida about like four years ago. Um, and then he was always asking to acquire it, and then finally he being the founder of CH Distillery, correct? Got it. Um, and then. I guess the owner finally reached out to him. Was like, "All right, I'm ready to give it up." So it being the the, the rights to distilling yep. Malort, correct? Yeah. Um, so it's the Jepsons line. So he acquired that, and then he's been doing some really cool stuff with that. So but Malort's been in Chicago culture for a while now, for a long nine, time beyond nine. Yeah, years. way, yeah, yeah, way, way gotcha. before that. Okay, so he kind of he he took over. He took the reins yep. of the Malort. Got it. Yep, awesome. Yep. Um, it's definitely, if you're ever in Chicago, you definitely got to get that on your palate. It's unique. Yep. It's still there. You got to come here. <laughs> it's still in shot of Malort. Yeah. Um, and then if you really can't handle it, chase it with a little pickled ginger. And I always say that is like the bridge between Malort and sushi. And it's like our pickle back. Okay. Nice. Well, thank you for getting to the detail of the your neighbor, uh, CH Distillery. Yeah, yeah. And, um, what were you two doing? What were, how long have you known Patrick? When did Patrick come into your life? Yeah, so I moved to Chicago. My dad was in the Army, so I moved a lot. 
I uh, moved to Chicago 2015. Dude, I think I might have forgotten the success quarter mantra. Oh, yeah. I never asked you. We got distracted with the shots. Yes. So, okay, hold that thought. Let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got yes. for us? Um, when Kobe passed away, it like affected me a ton. And I watched so many of his like interviews and just the way he spoke and the way he approached life. And one of the things he says is, it's not about the result. It's about the journey. Um, so it's, he, he said, um, the actual prize is the journey. Mm-hmm. So you have to enjoy that. Yeah. And um, when things are tough and things like you, you feel like you want to give up, you realize this is actually what it's all about. Yeah. So, How has that affected the way you live? Um, it, it makes me not want to look forward to the next thing so quickly mm. and just kind of stay present. Um, things aren't always perfect, but that's kind of like the beauty of it, right? Like, yeah. Things never really get easier. You just kind of get, get immersed in kind of how you, you live your life and how you just want to carry yourself yeah. and how you want to approach your business. Um, when I put myself through the filter of that quote, the idea of living in the moment, it makes me think about what do I want to be doing 20 years from now mm-hmm. do it today right just start doing it today yeah yeah you know because like or like just be really intentional with the work that you do because and I, and I experienced this when I was a commercial pilot I thought when I got to a certain point I was going to like my job more mm-hmm. and then it just never happened and I was like I'm done you know this isn't for me what's going through your mind as I'm talking you're shaking your head yes yeah I, I think it there was a moment where I was like oh when when this happens it, everything's going to be better or yeah. like, I'm going to be happy or all my problems are going to be gone, you yeah. know, but that's just not how life works. No, man. Um, the obstacle is the way. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And I think we get like, I think too tied up in wanting things to be easy and over with. And that we forget to just enjoy what we have like right in front of us. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, I wish I didn't have to do this or I wish not to work. But like, these are actually the joys of life. If you can really sit back and yeah. let yourself yeah enjoy that you know beautiful way to get this thing started dude so um back to this note of where does it make sense to start sharing your story how long has this what you you have today jinsei moto been a part of what you want like wh- how long has this been the goal for a while or did you stumble on, onto this like when did you get started in the restaurant industry yeah so i moved here 2015 in june um i met patrick at sushi doku which is just down the street um fantastic restaurant as well he was a nigiri chef there that was my first job in the industry first job in chicago so i i started bussing tables i was doing to go for them um the owner she she liked me so she let me serve and bartend rather rather quickly and uh, me and him we, we just became really close friends so what are you 23 around this time i was 24 24 yeah, i was 24 this is your first job in the restaurant industry yeah wow yeah so he's working at uh what was it sushi doko or is my saying that correct doku 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 thank you um where was he in his career at this point i think okay he was trying to get into the sushi industry so he was working at a mariano's the grocery store okay um he that was his first job being a sushi chef and i think he was there for like a year or so okay and then his first like real gig at like a respectable restaurant was sushi doku so he learned a lot of his skill set from there they like have fantastic leadership and culture so they just like kind of cultivated him and that was like his first real stint doing what he wanted to do and how long was he um how long had he i think he was at mariano's before that yeah 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 that was his first sushi gig Mm -hmm. how when did he start doing that like how long was he in the world of sushi before you came into the picture in 2015 i think 
probably like two years at the most. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he had an office job and he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Is he older or younger than you? He is like About five years older than me. Okay. So like yeah. 36, my yeah. age. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so pretty interesting. What were, you, what were you doing before this? What were you doing before this? I was living in Maryland at the time. I finished college with a kinesiology degree kinesiology yeah and I was like I'm gonna be a physical therapist and I realized like I don't want to do any more school (laughs) and my life was kind of falling apart and uh how was your life falling apart um just like relationship stuff wasn't really going like it that kind of fizzled out and like the end of college I wasn't really happy with how things had really yeah. turned out did I warn you um, that this is a very personal yeah I'm interview. like am I ready to share this but that's okay <laughs> yeah that's fine um I just I think I was just kind of bitter yeah. to be honest um and my cousins actually one of my cousins is right here nice um I live with him and they bought a house in Humble Park which is just west of here and he was like hey if you ever want to move out with us you're more than welcome to nice. so I, at the, mo- the first moment I was able to I was like hell yeah I'm packing up I'm going um, so I jumped out here they were both working in the restaurant industry so I was like well if I ever want to see you guys I should probably work in the restaurant industry too because yeah. if I work something like during the day you guys will be at work at night so yeah. it re- doesn't really make any sense yeah um, so yeah that's yeah. that's pretty and much should, how it I'll started I'll give you the public like disclosure yes this is a very intimate conversation. This is a very personal conversation. But the reason for that is because that's where the magic is, in my opinion. That's okay. where the lessons are learned. And for also, sure. we're, we're here to inspire people. And this is already turning out to be an inspiring conversation because you f- five years before you opened your first restaurant, you, were work- you, you just got your first restaurant job and you had zero experience yeah. in the industry, <laughs> man. That's wild. That's, if that's not inspiring, I don't know what is. Um, but you, you, let's pick it up from where you were you said that you you were at this point where like life was kind of crumbling around you relationships was it a girlfriend boyfriend yeah we dated all through college and i pretty much had like nothing to show for it at the end of it a lot of like crazy things happened and i'm like i don't know what i'm doing i kind of like messed up in school because my priorities weren't really in line i feel that dude to make you feel um, any better my first semester freshman year 1.16 that's pretty good yeah So you're in good company. Uh, but, okay, so you, you say to yourself, I need a change. You're not really right. passionate about the work. Yeah. So you didn't really have a, a direction in 2015. You just wanted to be in Chicago. Yeah, do you know what? Whenever I came out to visit my cousins, we were always partying. You know, like, so yeah. it was like, I felt free. So, and I felt like I didn't really get to have the, the, the true experience that I wanted throughout college. Yeah. And I was, I was a little resentful, a little bitter. Yeah. So when I came out here, I was like, I don't really want a plan. I just want to do something and have a lot of fun. I want to make some new friends um, and just like enjoy life without like all this stress and like weight on top of me. Gotcha. And that's kind of what Doku did for me. It was like, it's like a blessing from from heaven above it was crazy so it's safe to say doku was where you grew the most as a restaurant professional before opening this that is where i learned the most <laughs> that's where you learned pretty um, much everything yeah. except for what you learned on, on your own right yeah for sure that's kind of where i learned where i want like culture to be um and just they just like the, the people that i met there that i'm still so close with them um like it's like a family in there and that's kind of what i always envisioned so I don't know much about Sushi Doku. Honestly, this is kind of like a shotgun interview. Even though we've been communicating for a couple of days, yeah, I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. if it was going to happen until we basically rolled up. Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell me more about Sushi Doku. My, I keep on word Doku. Doku, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. Uh, tell me more about Sushi Doku and 
what they did for you, the, the reputation of Sushi Doku in the city of Chicago? Is it a big deal? Um, I, I think if you like sushi, you know them. Yeah. Um, it's like they're a household name in Chicago, I Got would it. say that. Um, but really what it was is like the atmosphere they provided and how quickly they welcomed me in. Like a lot of these people who I worked there with seven years ago are still there. Yeah. Um, because the culture is so good. Yeah. Um, the food's great. Um, what do you mean by good culture? Paint the picture of a good culture. People that, work for each other. People work for each other. And when that's just kind of how it's set up, especially when I was there, like you were going to war with your brothers and sisters, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, you look at someone, you don't care. Um, people really looked out for each other. And then after work, we went out, we hung out, like we spent all of our time together. And then the next day you would go into work and be like, Hey, what's going on? And then you kind of do it all over again. Um, I'm going to be honest, man. What you just described is one of the things that appealed the most to me when I was first getting started in the industry. It's the camaraderie. It's the friendship. It's going to war every night, like you said, and having your brothers and sisters on either side of you and going through it together. And then, you know, 11 o'clock midnight rolls around there's that one bar in town that's open till 2 a.m. Yep. You all go there yep. and you just you just enjoy each other. Exactly. It's, it, it's a special thing that happens in this industry. Yeah, you don't get that everywhere. Because I worked no. at some places after that and you're like, I don't even really want to spend any time with you, to be yeah. quite honest. Yeah. Um, but that place is special. It's very, so, very special. What did you know about restaurant operations? Like, what do they teach you? You started as a, you said you, said you started as a busser. Mm-hmm. By the time, five years in, when did you leave? Well, I... I got fired. Okay. Me and Patrick got fired at the same time. What happened? Actually, uh, long story short, we kind of like got caught drinking and then um, she was ready to let us go. But oh, I still man. like, I don't, I don't blame her to be completely yeah. honest. It, it just, it just ended like that. And then after that happened, I had a little bit more of an appreciation for the place yeah. because not every, like, I still haven't found a place that's like that, you know. Do you mind if I dive deeper in? So we got caught drinking. Like, was it you got caught drinking on the job? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. do you feel about that today? Being a two-year in restaurant operator. Um. Well, we're pretty lenient here, so I know that wouldn't happen here if people were just upfront and honest with us. Yeah. But I just took a shot with the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But you know, I think she was. She's trying to make a point, and uh, we were. We were pretty ingrained into the operation. Were you there. like lit? Were you like shit faced drunk? No, it wasn't like that. Um, but you know, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I, I think she knew how close we were with everybody. Yeah. And like, so, so we, she made an example of you, kinda. Like Patrick and I. Like, if I'm bartending right here, he's doing nigiri right next to me, and we kind of just did whatever we wanted. Yeah. And she knew that we did that, but. I don't think she really liked that. Do you either. know what's kind of ironic about this? Before this interview, I like to talk to the people that work here. Yeah. Before I'm like, I like, I like to get some dirt. Like, why do you like working here? Why do you like? What's the yeah, best yeah, part? Yeah. And it was the culture that, and and specifically how quick you are to fire somebody if they're not marching <laughs> to the beat. So there's some irony involved in this. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think anybody listening to this is passing judgment. For the record, I when I was hosting. Um, at one of the nicest restaurants I've worked at. Mm-hmm. I worked a full-time job during the day. I'd have two hours in between getting out of that full-time job and going to my, my hosting position. Yeah, yeah. And I would have two hours to drink at, at you know, 
four beers as fast as possible. And then I would go start my hosting job, you know, <laughs> but you know, it made me way more personable. I will For say sure. that. And I will it say helps. there's something to be said about alcohol where there's a line of using and abusing. And I believe this. For sure. There's a, there's a good amount of alcohol that I think is optimal. For performance, I think a couple of drinks helps you get into a place where you are much more sociable and welcoming. Absolutely, but drinking like all through the night, where you get to the point where you can't do your job, or yeah, you that's become, a, yeah, that's there's a, a line for yeah. sure. <laughs> What's going through your mind as I'm saying this? Uh, I'm just talking, thinking about how you said I'm quick to fire somebody. <laughs> that is uh, not necessarily true, but also true. Uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, I, I mean, I, I want one of one of the things that I want. For this place is to have people to walk in happy and excited to be here and if someone is kind of sucking that away from us and then that's really not the end of the line but if and then you're doing other things behind my back that i lose trust in you then i'm i that for me is i can't, I can't let me offer some more context he said that if there was somebody who um clearly can't do the job it sounds like you'll work with them and you'll give them the opportunity yeah, and you'll help sure. them. But sometimes people just can't deliver it the, the, the standard you expect. And when that happens, the point that he was making is if they're bringing the team down, then you have to have that expectation, that standard, and you're not willing to settle below that. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Yeah, statement? that is 100%. That's true. a little bit better context. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. I get the vibe that you are. So let's go start to like share the story. So, now we know why you're available to open your own restaurant. Yeah. Because you got fired. Yeah. Well, okay. So after I got fired, I got another job okay. at Bohemian House in River North. Um, when was, was this? When did you get fired? I wasn't even there for that long, dude. I was there for like a year and a half. But I like that year and a half was so heavy and condensed of how much time we spent with each other that it felt longer than that. So you, get, um, you both get fired. You both go to the Bohemian House. So Patrick worked at Union Sushi and Barbecue, which is also in River North. Um, but I got a different job. So we split for a little bit. Okay. Um, I was there for probably like four or five months. Okay. It was awful. I, I was like miserably When did depressed. you get fired? What year was it? <laughs> I think it was like the summer of 2016. Okay. So there's or like, few- no, maybe like towards the end of 2016. So you're like only at uh, Sushi Doku. Did I say it right that yeah, time? Yeah, Doku. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're only there for a year and a half then. Yeah, something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. And then you spent, you said six months at... Bohemian House. Bohemian House. Yeah, which was like So now we're European, like 2000 German food. 17-ish. Yeah. Um, and I hated it there. Okay. Any other stops before opening this? Yeah, and then um, I went to... And I joined Patrick back at Union Sushi. Okay. So then we worked together for a little bit, and I was serving there. Um, and then I was like, I don't want to be in the service industry anymore. I don't want to run restaurants. You don't want to run? I, I don't want to like... I don't want to work in restaurants anymore. And then... Um, my other cousin was a he's a leasing agent so he, i want to make sure i heard you right you said you don't want to work in restaurants anymore you want to run restaurants no no i, I didn't want to work I, just, want I didn't want to be to part okay, with restaurants it. anymore i didn't want to look at food i don't want to serve tables anymore i was like this is like sucking all the life yeah. out of me um so i was just trying to find something else uh, my cousin was a leasing agent he still is with the same company uh, shout out hotspot rentals if you need an apartment hit them up they're great fantastic company um, so he, he put me on and I was working them with them um, in 2019, like probably like around March or something like that. Um, and I, I was doing really well. I was like super focused. Um, but it was like kind of like a work from home, like you're on your own time thing. 
And then once I started to slip up, like I was really slipping up and okay. I wasn't really making anything happen, unhappy again. And I was like, I don't think it's the restaurant industry or the job. I think it's me. Like, okay. I think I have some self-reflecting to do and I need to figure it out. And then that's when Kobe died. And then that's when COVID happened. Like right after I was like, I need to figure something out. And then actually that's, I, I quit that job and I got a bartending job at Galit, which is like a, uh, it's like Middle Eastern. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Really, really fantastic. Um, Zach. Chef Zach. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're great. I worked there for two weeks. I was on my last training day, and then the shutdown happened for COVID. Oh, man. Yeah, so I was like, now I really don't know what to do. You were there for two weeks, you said? Yeah. Oh. Well, was that restaurant different for you by any chance? Because I know the pedigree of that restaurant. Yeah, it was a little different. I mean, they're like, they're obviously more upscale. Um, Union was not very corporate, like, tight. They were They ran a tight ship there. So I knew that if I was there for a long time, things would be very regimented little more hardcore um i don't know if i would have i don't know how well i would have done i know i would have respected the place and done well i don't know if i would have been super happy yeah um but i love the people there so i was like i'm willing to do this the food was fantastic the management was great they ran it really really smooth so i was like that i can get behind yeah um and then when covid happened i was like i really don't i really don't know what to do anymore okay that's kind of how this all came to be so in terms of restaurant operations, systems, processes, procedures, yeah. protocols, inventory management, mm-hmm. menu design, engineer, training, yeah, where did this come into your life? Has it? Is it still coming into your life? Yeah. Still yeah. kind of coming in. And um, there are things that I really love about certain places that I've picked up on. Um, like I still have like certain training manuals from restaurants that yeah. I worked at that I look over. It's like, okay, I like this. I, we can implement that but a lot of it's come on the fly and like the the GM of CH Distillery Tony Frosto who's really why we're here in the first place he's helped me out so much and just mentoring me kind of grooming me as far as like keeping your composure and how you talk to people and just how you set things up and uh, I think every day we're learning that's Tony what's his last name Frosto F-R-A-U-S-T-O got it um I'll take one of those. I, I pre-ordered two drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top of the shot. Maybe I have the drinking problem. Um, you should have a drink. Yeah. When did he start mentoring? Before the you guys came in, or after, like yeah. at the point you came in? So when the lockdown happened, Patrick had moved next door to Tony. So they had both moved. Tony was in Colorado for some time, and then uh, Patrick just moved in with his girlfriend, and they both moved next door in Pilsen. And then lockdown happened. There's not really a lot of people to see. So the only person I would hang out with was Patrick. And then they had a beautiful like backyard patio. So we would just hang out all summer long. Okay. And he just started working here. Uh, so Tony had just moved, just started working at this place March 2020. Yeah. And um, where was Tony working before that? He was he was an operation manager for several restaurants in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Do you know the restaurants by any chance? I don't. I don't okay. know the name of the restaurants, but a little, like, Tony was a big Boca guy, so he worked at, like, uh, he worked at Girl and the Goat for a long time. Yeah. I believe he actually worked at Boca, too. Got There's it. a big pedigree here in Chicago as well. Yeah. 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 I've had Kevin Bam on the show. Amazing dude. Amazing things they're doing over there at Boca. Um, so, how did this opportunity land in your lap? Yeah. So... 
the back at this time now, Patrick is working at Sushi San, which is a lettuce entertaining restaurant. Okay. And um, when COVID happened, I'm gonna keep it short. I don't like spreading dirt, but they kind of did their managers and employees a little dirty. Lettuce entertaining. Yeah, they were they were cutting salaries. They were working more. They were making a lot of like the company itself was making a lot of money. The dude is just grinding, and I'm like that's my boy. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that's kind of messed up. Yeah. That's kind of how this all started. And um, I'm like. Dude, I feel like we can start something right now. Like, yeah. a lot of places are closing. People are looking for things. Like, let's try to... I was listening to a lot of Tony Robbins at this time because okay. I was lost. Because you right? said that you need <laughs> yeah. to do the, the, the self-help. The yeah, person. like, I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I was listening to him, and he's very motivational, obviously. And one thing that stuck to me when he said he was like, in adversity, there's opportunity. I was like, well, this is pretty adverse. Yeah. So I think if you jump in now you're actually gonna buy the dip and then when everything comes back to normal we could actually make something happen yeah so i was like when everyone's jumping ship and quitting i was like i think this might be the time to come in where we have opportunity to grab people's attention and patrick is extremely talented at what he does and i i have 100 percent belief in how he creates food and how he envisions running things so we started doing like to-go drops and platters and tony was right next door and supported us and then he told us to do a which tony are we talking about now tony um not tony robbins right not tony robbins that would be a, yeah a that, great guy to have that would be here. great uh, it wasn't tony <laughs> robbins uh it was tony frosto here and uh, once he caught wind of us um trying to get started he invited us to do a little pop-up here it was our it's like our first restaurant event um so we ended, this was October, I think it was like October 14th of 2020. Okay, now it's a great time to take our first break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back and we'll unpackage how this all happened. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a team management platform built specifically for restaurants. As host of Restaurant Unstoppable, I chat with a lot of restaurateurs. One thing a lot of them have in common, they use Seven Shifts. In fact, every restaurateur using Seven Shifts that I've come across has great things to say about them. With over 700,000 restaurant pros and counting using it today, they're clearly onto something. So what are you waiting for? Seven Shifts is your secret weapon to better understand your restaurant, hit labor costs, and keep your entire team connected with drag and drop scheduling, in-app communication, task management, labor compliance, tip management, and more. It makes restaurant work a lot easier. And I bet Every member of your team will get value from it. Whether you're a franchise owner or a chief technology officer, a manager working in front of house or back of house, plus it integrates with other restaurant tech systems you already use like your POS, payroll, and more. That is powerful. As a restaurant unstoppable listener, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months free and join over 30,000 restaurants using seven shifts today. We're back, and you just started getting to the point where you're, you're like, "This is how it happened." But before we actually get into like how like it all happened, like, yeah, I want to make a statement. Behind every great restaurant's a great person, and you made a very 
you learn something very early that maybe the problem isn't with the world. Maybe I'm the problem. And I think that a lot of people need to have that self-reflection <laughs> uh, because if you want to be a successful restaurant tour, the journey doesn't start with opening the restaurant. It starts with working on yourself. So how did you transform in this time? Like where were you? What were the key things that you recognize were off about you before we get into like, wh- yeah, I think I just, just, I think I was just really negative to be mm-hmm. honest. Like, Oh, like I'm good. These are problems. And like more listening to Tony Robbins, like one of the things he says too, is like, if people need to behave a certain way for you to be happy, like you're never going to be happy. Yeah. Like you have to like really understand who you are and be true to that. Um, so what did you learn about who you are? Um, that I'm kind of messed up and that's okay. What way are you messed up? <laughs> uh, I think I'm a little, uh, I'm a short-tempered guy, and I okay. want things to be perfect, and I'm not really good at communicating things of why I want things to be that way. Yeah, and then I see I, when, I, when I hit the vein, saying yeah. you fire people fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told that guy. <laughs> uh, keep going, keep going. Um, and I, just like the expectation of things to be a certain way is, I think, is very, it's very dangerous. Yeah. Um, I, so. I mean, yeah. it's, it's important. It's also makes, making me think right now how privileged we all are to live in a time where people, anybody, no matter where you come from, what your background is, have access to people like Tony Robbins. Yeah. It, digitally. not They're, they're not yeah, your personal yeah, yeah, mentor, yeah. but you can get that influence. That, mm-hmm. that fills me with hope because never before have we ever – it's truly unprecedented – that we can influence it ourselves. We can get the resources. We can get the influence we need to, to make a change in our life. It's exciting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, man. Okay, so from that point, you you have you're in these backyard barbecues. You're you're in isolation with your immediate friends. Yeah. One of those people is Tony uh, Frosta, who has Frosto. Uh, Frosto. Thank you very much. Yep. Um, who has operation experience in Colorado, and he was also with the Boca Group, and he starts coaching you, yeah. um, inspiring you. Uh, he's he's the he's, he's a, working next door. He, he's a GM of this restaurant, and then we like kind of manage it together. So when you say was the, what was in this restaurant before you? So they were doing burgers, they were doing charcuterie boards, they had like a Philly chicken sandwich, their truffle fries. Um, so he was with CH Distillery, and his job was DMing this restaurant before it was sushi. Uh, before we, yeah, sorry. Before we were Jinsei Moto here. Yes, gotcha. Correct. Um, was this restaurant struggling before? Um, you guys came in. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they were. They had people in, but they weren't killing it. Yeah, for sure. I think we need a little more context for the listeners. Paint the picture sure. of the space, the factual space we're in. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, this space here has been here for ten years. The things that you see in the background here, all the distillery equipment, they don't use it anymore. Okay. So they have a warehouse like a couple miles down the street. It's a huge warehouse where they do all of their operational stuff now. Okay. So this just pretty much just functions at a, as a restaurant. Okay. Um, but they were never really profiting. I think they're just kind of breaking even, maybe losing a little bit. Um, Tremaine is more focused on like the distilling part of it. So he just wanted to bring someone who can get this thing going and uh, get creative, make it, make some money. So the owners of CH Distillery went to a warehouse. They outgrew the space next door. Correct. But this was a restaurant distillery space for when they were here. Correct. Yes. Um, there was a restaurant here that was burgers and charcuterie. Mm-hmm. That wasn't doing well. Yeah. P- 
pandemic probably was the nail in the coffin for that, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I think it just allowed them to be open to being creative, to let things happen. Okay. Um, so what was the... like? Did they have to kick those guys out to bring you in? Like, what, what No, was going on so there? when we first started, we were serving our food next to theirs. Okay. Like, like, what do you want? You want a burger or do you want like some nigiri? <laughs> yeah. You know? And it, it, it didn't really make any sense, but because nothing really made sense early at that time... I don't think really anyone cared. Yeah. So like, sure, I'll. I'll well, you mentioned that, that was like a pop up, right? You yeah. Took that pop up approach. Yeah. Okay. So when we when we did that first pop up, they didn't run their kitchen. We were doing hand rolls only that night. It was okay. a, it was a one night deal where we did hand rolls. This the restaurant that was here prior was closed for that night, and correct. you used the space to do mm-hmm. a pop up. Yep. Uh, any lessons about pop ups that that you picked up from that experience? Um, do them. Yeah. Because uh, it's you just don't know who you're going to meet and what opportunities you're going to get. Like I wouldn't look at it from a financial standpoint because I know I was at the time, but like looking back on it, like I would have paid them to do it if I knew what it was going to turn out to be. Yeah. You know, like we did one pop up and then we're here. Like that's crazy. I would also warn people that it doesn't always work out. It doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't. But you just never know who you're going to meet and the connections that you will gain. Yes. I 100 full heartedly agree that the idea behind pop-ups is to keep the bar low and just go practice your recipes, work on your brand, work on developing your, you know, your building your list, right? Like whoever shows up to that pop-up, get an email make right. sure they know about your vision and what, what you're trying to do mm-hmm. that's strictly just getting out there and starting bumping up against people and putting your food in mouths exactly. you know you're growing your brand but the overhead is next to nothing you're basically right. ca- paying for cost of goods that day that's it and yeah. you, you might be able the, the goal is to break even and grow the brand right exactly. if you can be profitable even better but exactly. know that there's more to it than just making money yeah for sure I think pop-ups are great and Chicago is like so pop-up friendly too yeah. which is awesome like everyone supports each other yeah, it's pretty cool. So you have literally one pop up here, and then they they open the door to have let you do like consistent. Yeah, work. pretty much. Like we we did one pop up. Tremaine, the owner here, he was here. He he had the food. He and he liked us as people too. Um, and then Tony kind of put a, like a little whisper in our ear. He was like, "Hey, reach out to him. Maybe we can do something together." So I emailed him, and then uh, I was like, "Hey, let's." Do you want to talk? I think we can add some value to your restaurant. I think like, like we can work out a deal or something. And then uh, he what does that look like in your eyes at this time? What did that deal look like? It looked like a gold mine because I'm like, it's so impossible to like, we have little to no capital, yeah. you know, to do this. Like we were thinking like being in ghost kitchens and like doing like private events and stuff like that, which is pretty hard to do in peak covid and i was like wow this opportunity is great and they have a ton of space here um like tony is fantastic dude and he loves us um like why not and are you willing to talk about like the agreement you guys came to to make it happen as far as what how you guys chop things up like do you yeah for sure yeah not a not even not a problem so it's actually kind of funny when we were approaching this business meeting we like scrounged up the little numbers that we had tried to make some spreadsheets and we presented to him and he didn't even look at it one time so pro forma pro forma yeah, yeah yeah exactly and then he was like hey as long as um as long as tony feels like you can do it and you guys get along he's like that's all i care about okay like if you think you can do this let's do it and i was like okay well we're gonna be primarily to go focused right now anyways so we'll give you 15 percent of our sales 
to like let us stay in here. And he was like, fine. Okay. So 15% of profit? Just like of total sales. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, does that include alcohol? No, because we don't make money off alcohol. Okay. We only make money off to of this food. day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Um, so has that agreement, the fifteen percent of sales, changed at all? Yeah. Um, his the, the percentage of sales for him has grown. Okay. Um, but it only makes sense. He he literally coddled us and let us grow because there was days where like we were putting up like two hundred dollars in sales. Like if it was like um like a flat rate where we had to pay a certain amount. I don't think we would have made it. Like, yeah. He believed in us and kind of let us kind of squirm our way out of it. Yeah. And then you now you restart your platform. Exactly. Yeah. And then now that we're, we're running it, we, it, it's a lot more fair. And I think he's making a little bit more of return on investing in us and believing okay. in us. So, okay. So how does it work as far as the, who's in charge for, of what, how do you guys divide responsibility? Yeah. So Tony, he runs the CH program, so he's more. He's like he's slicker, and then Jinsei Moto's food. Okay. Yep. Wait. So he's slicker. Yeah. Then Jinsei Moto's food. Yeah. He yeah he does the liquor program. Oh, liquor. I yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Slicker. I was like, he's, <laughs> he's slicker. He's yeah. more slick than yeah. your food. <laughs> okay. So he does liquor. So he he basically gets all the alcohol sales. You get yeah. all the food sales. Yeah. And then we and give them a cut. A cut. A, Correct. And it's more than fifteen percent. Yes. But we, we don't need to say what that is today. That's that's, that's fair. Yeah. I can respect that. Um, so when, when splitting, when, when, like, what's some things to consider that might not be common knowledge? Oh, shoot. Was it, are we doing another, which, what's this? I think we're doing, um, you guys know I drove here, right? <laughs> is this Patrick? Yes. This Patrick. is Patrick. Patrick just walked over. He has a couple. Want to hop on the mic real quick and say hi? Yeah, yeah I want to pour this one and take some. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're going to get into trouble. So Chef Patrick walks over. He's got a bottle. Chef, what's what's in your hand? What's up? What's in your hand? So this is uh, Malort infused with wasabi. Okay, so Malort like infused with wasabi. Okay. Um, we get little ends of uh, wasabi that we're not going to use, and I just chop it up, throw it in the bottle. Okay. I don't know where I'm going with it, but we're going to taste it. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, do you want to have a seat real quick? I mean, I don't. Know, I know you can't hear. Like, I don't know how well you can hear me right now. Can you hear us when I'm talking? You hear me all right? No. All right. So, um, the goal is to get you on the show. Just so you know, we already talked. I said we're coming back to Chicago. We're gonna get Chef Patrick on the show. So you're gonna have your moment. But just where we are in the conversation right now is so you guys just started. You just started. Um, you took over the space, the food. Um, I don't know where we're going. How to bring? Let's do the shot real quick. Let's do the shot. <laughs> Jared's gonna have a blast editing this. Thank you, Jared. All right, All right Malort. <laughs> Wasabi Malort. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 We were just getting into the part of the conversation where you guys take over this space. You come to terms with how you split up food and how you're splitting some of your sales with the the, the owner of the, the the business, the house. So basically, we're getting to the how do you split up the responsibility? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where we're at. Yes. Um, what, let me ask you first. Let me get your perspective. When you first came here, what was your what was the appeal for you? What 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 did you see about this space and say this is a good opportunity for us? Um, well, first of all, like we're in a brick and mortar, so that's that's the goal. First of all, yeah. is to get to a brick and mortar. Yeah, um, and what came with it was. It was pretty nice. Like, this is CH Distillery. This is Malort. And it kind of just fell in our laps. We got very lucky. 
with Tony being the GM here, being yeah. my neighbor at the time. Um, so it made it a lot more appealing. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, and it, like it lowered the bar to get started, right? Because one of the biggest challenges in it, for any restaurant tour is getting the space, getting the brick and mortar, getting the loan, getting the financing, yeah. or raising the money on your own. How much money did you have to raise to get started here? It was very, very minimum. So basically, probably the the assets you needed to do your job. I'm assuming. Yeah, in the I'm, kitchen. Any anybody could have done, and can still do what we're doing. Um, just. It, it fell in our laps with Tony being my neighbor and they weren't using the backspace. Yeah. Um, they weren't booking out uh, private parties, weddings because of COVID. So we were in the back there making sushi, doing to go. Yeah. And um, Andrew, you're in the middle, so you can probably hear me better. If at any point you want to answer a question that you might have the question or the answer he might not have, just feel free to grab the mic as long as you can hear me. So, um, Again, back to this idea of like being two concepts in one space, right? What are some of the challenges that you guys ran into with that? That's an Andrew answer? Okay. Uh, I mean, hmm, that's, uh, you know, I think when you have two different visions, it's hard to get everyone on board um, because like we want something very specific and then people are used to doing certain things. Um, so I think trying to get people to do certain things that they were not on here to do. It's like, you don't really want to twist anyone's arm, right? Like, it's like, I'm not here to like step on your toes and make this like your life miserable. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, we're very driven in what we want to do. So it's like, nothing's going to really stand in our way. Um, but like also the space isn't built for like running a full operation either, you know? So we were like Mitch mismatching things together. It was very like MacGyver, you know, we we're just every single like other week we're like putting different tables together, moving the coolers around, like what makes things efficient and, and like even still to this day, we're still kind of figuring yeah. that out. So there is a lot of benefit to being able to roll into a space and be the food element of a brick and mortar. Oh, they, they're the bar. You're the food. Uh, there's low overhead to get started, but there are some challenges with basically not trying not to step in each other's toes. For sure. Right? Like who has the right of way? Yeah. Who's like, whose brand is front? Like how, it seems like you guys are pretty good about sharing that. Like the, the brand, like this is us, this is, them does, is there ever confusion with like what's what who's what with the branding as far as i, I would say right now there's it there's not okay yeah i mean yeah. if anyone walks in here it's like what's the difference is like there is none like okay. we, we all operate on the under the same roof we're here to take care of you if you want if you're just here to grab drinks we're going to give you the best service ever if you want to come in here and just grab food it's whatever like like this this house is jensei moto ch distillery jeps yeah. malort that's yeah. what it comes down to. What was the biggest challenge for both of you individually in moving into this space and taking over and being the a first time proprietor? Um, we're still winging it yeah. to this day. There's a lot we're still learning. There's a lot that we don't know that we ask a lot of questions. We go to the right people who know. Yeah. Um, people who are already there who've done it. What were um, those questions that you were asking early on? Um. Well, for one, like I'll touch back on the subject of two entities in one building. Like they already yeah. had their ways of running this place, and that's how they were set on doing it. Yeah. And then now we're coming in, like, 
okay, this is how our service needs to be ran. You were sharing a kitchen with somebody too, which must be tough as a chef. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, yeah, in here, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like everybody had their own ways of doing things. There's two different kinds of food getting fired, um, and then it. They were learning a new menu at the time too, like Japanese ingredients, Japanese terms, um, how the food should be presented. Learning and, your food, yes. So you, so you, you were the the lead for for this concept, and then there was another burger and like charcuterie concept ish. Is what how it was yeah grilled with. cheese in here? There's like but you were using the same employees to execute the menu. Yep, that must have been challenging. Yeah, and it, it's still it's a little better to this day now. It's it's a lot better. Well, and you're the only food output now, right? Yes, so we that, are. that must help. Yeah, I mean, eventually it it, it slowly just became sushi. Yeah. Um, it wasn't our goal to phase out like bar food or anything, but I guess just the whole concept and everybody that was driven to what we were doing was sushi, the back room, and that's that's what they came for. So the other food that was coming out of the kitchen, did you? Was there another chef that was steering that ship? There was a chef, and it, it was a lot of burgers, fries. Yeah. Uh, it was bar food. Was it? Um, what, do you remember the first, like the, the month that you guys did your first pop up? January was it? January twenty twenty. I think that was October. No, that would have been. It was post COVID. Our, our o- first pop up. So it was almost twenty twenty one. So a little. So we're at like. Yeah, it was late twenty twenty, the fall of twenty twenty. So we're at like almost two years now from the first pop up to where you are today. Oh shit! No, it has been two years. Yeah, it's past two years from our. Happy birthday, guys! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's crazy. Time time does get away from you, for sure. So two years. Um, at what point? How long did it take you guys to go from sharing that space, stepping on each other's toes, to them phasing out and it's solely sushi? When did that happen? That was probably about a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe like less, like a year, where everybody was just coming for sushi. So we'll call it uh, March, April, twenty twenty two of this year is when you guys had. When we stopped serving CH food, like bar food, we were probably here for like six to eight months. Okay. Yeah. Because we've been doing solely sushi for quite some time. So like we haven't, like Eric has been here for more than a year and we've only been suing sushi. So that food was CH distillery food. Yes. And what, what happened for them to say, we don't need to put our menu on anymore. You guys just own the menu. You know what it came down to is um, they were... St- it was hard to find dedicated chefs to do what they needed to do on that end. So there were nights where Tony was cooking burgers and cooking fries, and like it was ridiculous. I'm like, dude, you're the GM. And doing sushi, you should not be back here like grinding it on the grill. Yeah, you know. Um, and then I was a like, a lot of people are doing that in 2022 for sure. But I was like, hey, you were dedicated. We're yeah. not going anywhere. Why would you, like? Like, don't do that to yourself. Like, yeah. just and I was kind of like, you know, kind of nudging his shoulder a little bit. It's like, just let us do it. Like, yeah. let's just turn this around so you don't have to worry about the food anymore. Like, but at the same time, did you have that? Did you have that privilege to tell the whoever was steering the CH Distillery food ship to say we're not doing your food anymore? How was that conversation? You know, actually, it was quite simple because it happened over time. We didn't yeah. come in it here simplified things it, exactly. We didn't yeah. come in here like demanding anything you it was yourself ex- exactly we like hey we're here we show up every single day we want this to work we're very committed about what we want to get done and it seems like it's kind of stressing you guys out a little bit and like i think we're gonna get far and they liked what we're putting out 
Yeah. So it was pretty simple. I at feel that like this point. is actually a really great timing. We literally just wrapped up a conversation with Kathleen Wood, uh, the founder of Kathleen Wood Partners, which is like a consulting firm, where her whole like her specialty is helping restaurants and, and businesses figure out their one thing and putting all the energy into one thing. Mm-hmm. And I think I mean, you're definitely two things here. You're a distillery and you're a sushi bar, but at least your food focus can be one thing, you know? And what happens when you put all of your energy into doing one thing versus trying to be everything to everybody, you do that one thing way better. Would you say that happened? Is that, does that hold true? Did you guys start executing better when you could focus just on, I don't know who wants the mic. You guys can fight over it. You can also take this thing and do this. Okay, cool. Um, just make sure you get close to the mic. Yeah, like Andrew said, it, and you said it simplified over time. So once that happened where it was like, okay, this is 100% yours, go. Yeah. And we already had everything in our minds, like what we would do in this event. And we just took it and ran. Yeah. So we just, um, we had a plan. I mean, you, Andrew took control of the front and I took control of the back of the house. And yeah. then we just, and then we just speak with each other. And then, yeah. um, how we think service should be ran, how things should be put out and, and kind of like that, just all the steps of service. And then we just learned throughout time. Has the needle moved when you guys made the shift to sushi as far as sales for both food and alcohol? Uh, Tremendously. Can you share some of those numbers? Percentages at least? Uh, I'm not going to go too deep into that <laughs> exactly. Um, I won't pry I, too hard. I know that when we were felt like we were busy previously, those are like abysmal nights for us now. Um, and we're getting in um, the clientele that you want. They, they, they want to eat and they want to enjoy and they have an experience where before this was just a place where like they were just doing good bar food and you would just kind of come out and hang out and get a couple of drinks and just peace out. You yeah. know, like nothing crazy. Like I'm not going to knock on it. I ate a lot of burgers. <laughs> they were good. Like, <laughs> I ate a lot of burgers and I, I was, I could show for it at the time. I'm not going to lie. I still kind of miss it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think every week right now we kind of look at each other and like, dang, we just, we broke it again. We broke another record again. And, um, people are really coming out to experience what we're putting out. And it, it, it does feel great. Like we've almost become like a small destination spot where it's like, Hey, we're going to go to this swanky little place that doesn't really make any sense, but I hear they're doing good things. And then we, I think that fearful expectation is what really wows people. Yeah. Um, so you're giving them a cut of your sales. Are you paying rent? No. That's pretty awesome. It is nice. Um, who manages, who, who's in charge of ordering? Um, our team is in charge of our food and we helped them out with certain things as far as like produce because it falls into like food ordering. Okay. Um, but Tony handles all like the liquor and all the, like the beer, sake that dry we carry. Goods. Dry goods? Um, yeah, they're dry goods, yes. And we take care of our dry goods. So like, do you just give them a list of what you need or do you take care of, do you actually place your own orders? No, we place our own orders. Okay. Yeah, we have our own accounts with like our food vendors. Um, Got it. And then obviously they have existing accounts that they've had. For now, years. are you operating under a different LLC? Are you Jinsei Moto LLC operating in this space? So like you're a completely different entity. Yes. Okay. Um, what about, when did, you, when did you start developing your brand? Was that something that... that were you like when you had the first pop-up did you have the logo we did okay we did have a logo uh still the same logo proud of that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) or maybe not maybe i should how has your brand developed over time as far as like digital presence and stuff like that Mm, um 
I think we've getting we're getting better at being more present and active on social media and it was very like Instagram social media driven when we first started yeah probably because I was spending a little too much time on Instagram um, at the time Um, but kind of realizing what people are looking for um, what they want to see what's kind of driving people in and then really utilizing people's platforms like yourself and people who have these huge accounts who really want to help restaurants out you know I think people have perceptions of like foodies and like oh they're just here to take us down and get free meals and whatnot but like my perception of that has changed quite a bit like everyone that we've met that i've interacted with who's come and helped us out have been like super pleasant very sweet and like they come with a heart of like really wanting to give back and help and it's like it's like dang i i really didn't expect that you know that's cool um and I think our reputation and perception has changed just because people start to trust us. Yeah. Uh, they're like, okay, when we go there, it's not just like we're going to get a couple small things. Like, we're going to go there and like eat a bunch of nigiri. We're going to have some of the best pieces we've ever had in our lives. And that's a really cool feeling as well. And that reputation is what carries us and lets us do things that we really, really enjoy. I love that. So, in terms, so when, did you have your own website when you got started? We did. It was a WordPress website, and it was awful. It was so disgusting. But it was something. It was yeah, a start. It right? worked. It was bad. What were the, the key, most important things that you have if you're a restaurant website? Like, what did like did you go through and research what like, what you needed, or was it just like a landing page? Uh, <laughs> Patrick's right, so, taking the mic. Um, leading up to this, like before we even started Jinsei Moto, like just the thought of it, I was listening to a lot of podcasts too, of just like. Um, mentors in in business like starting your own small business like all that stuff you didn't find my podcast i did not i wish uh, i did bummer. like <laughs> i i still i still have not really found too many like restaurant podcasts it was just like Dude, that's why i started the podcast because i was looking for it too yeah that's yeah. yeah it's great um but yeah i was listening to just like small business stuff like yeah. starting your side hustle all that yeah. so it came with it's uh, powerful isn't it it is very powerful and one of them was just like who cares about what your website's going to look like? Like, just have one. Because people start. are going to look you up. People are going to, like, they're going to Google you. And then they're going to go to your website. They, they, they want to see something. Don't let the fear of your website looking like shit be the reason why you don't have and, a website. And, you know, like what Andrew said, it was a WordPress. It was free. But the main thing that we wanted to include was kind of like uh, an about section. Yeah. Um, where, we're lo- where we're located, yep. a menu. And how to contact us. Yes. And then we kind of grew from there and then just figured out what to add, what to take away. So that was that was one of the things. And there are other tools that you can use, which you eventually found, that you don't have to be a master web developer to have a restaurant yeah. website. Just got to have one. Eventually, you... But, I mean, eventually, what I like to say is 1% better. Just start, make it 1%, 1% better all the time. And eventually, you got to the point where you're making enough money where you started to outsource it. Right? So when did that happen? Um, you know, so we're on the pop menu right now, um, which I don't know if it was the best decision to be completely honest. Okay, why? Um, because um, uh, it's like I don't know. We went to this NRA show, and then I was coerced. I was drinking a little too much, and like this, we're gonna increase your to-go sales like crazy, organically. Blah 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 blah. The SEO is ridiculous, and you're gonna just blow up because we have this amazing website. And I was like, yeah, let's do it, and then. I kind of think like Squarespace is all you really need. If you have like a pretty good, like simple design, you're going to have something where people can look at your menu, make reservations, contact you for whatever they may need to contact you about. Um, 
But yeah, so we were on Squarespace for a little bit, and I liked that website. It was very simple. Like I yeah. always found that like if I go to a website, especially for a restaurant, and I can't find how to do the most basic thing, as in like look at your menu and make a reservation, like I'm kind of done with this website. Like that should be like the first thing I see, and that's kind of what it was. And this one's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I will say there, this, and I, I never, I never, I always want to get true testimonials. Because that's my job is to record the industry and to hear things. Pop Menu is a sponsor, but I'm not. The year is sponsor. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I, no, dude, I'm not going to edit this out because I think it's important to get perspective. And I don't necessarily disagree with you when you're first getting started. If you're on a lean budget, you don't need to spend big money For on sure. a website. For um, sure. You can get by with a Squarespace or WordPress. And it's not the most important, highest priority uh, in, like investment for you. Is it important to have a good online presence? Absolutely. For sure. Is it necessary when you're first getting started? No. If you get to the point where you're, you're scaling and you need a robust, a robust website, restaurant website that can do a bunch of stuff, then you might really want to consider outsourcing to the pros and, and having a solution that evolves over time and you don't have to make any of the changes yourself. Yeah. There's, a, there's something to be said about spending a flat rate per month and walking away from that responsibility and knowing that you're outsourcing it. Do you, would you disagree or agree with that statement? I mean, yeah, I agree. Just kind of de- like you said, it depends on where you're at and what yeah. you're looking for. Like if you want to be, if you, if you can't be hands-on, um, like if, if you want to be super hands-on and like kind of manage everything, then that's great. If you yeah. want to have a robot answer your text messages and phone calls, like that's great too. But also like I'm the type of person who I want that personal touch throughout the whole experience of dealing yeah. with a restaurant. I so. appreciate the honesty, by the way. I'm not offended <laughs> that you told the truth. Like that's staying in the, I'm not editing that. That's staying in. We're about transparency and about For sharing sure. true, authentic uh, referrals. And it's a good point. Uh, it looks like you want the mic. You, you trying to pull the mic away? Uh, Go for it. Look, there's, there's a time and mic. place for different companies to use. Um, where we're at right now, definitely what Andrew was saying, like he, he wants that. He doesn't want a machine talking to you. He wants that conversation. He wants to connect. So I don't know. Maybe down the road we're going to be able to fully, you know, take advantage of everything Popman U has to offer, or whatever, yeah. whatever is out there for us. But um, it's definitely not for us right now. No shade at them, right? Yeah. Heard. But yeah. it's just it's, it's to each their own. It's yeah. it's whatever their your needs are. Um, but ours is different right now. It could definitely change. Got it. Um, so one question I'm kind of curious about, and I, and I can, I would imagine this is a sensitive subject because you know maybe if the plan is to move on from the physical, do you want your own standalone? Yeah, know, butts like you know like full like our our bar our our food our our spirits one concept your brand your location with your vision is that something that you're aspiring to is this for now or is this is this where you want to be absolutely um, which part everything <laughs> okay. like running everything yeah. ourselves I, I mean I talk about it with Andrew all the time it is a scary thing because we know what like now we know numbers and yeah. we know what it takes to to be in this space to be in a certain neighborhood um, just our expenses but you were able to develop a following. Like, do you have an email list? I think that's where Pop Menu comes in, right? For our email list. Yeah. So that's you're, one thing they help with. You're developing awareness, right? So you don't have to go out 
and they say you should have at least six months to a year of operating capital, right? When you go out to your first, when you open your first restaurant, or you can get creative and find a win-win situation and use that opportunity to develop your brand and develop awareness. So when you do find your, your brick and mortar, you're not starting from scratch. You have a following, you have people that are going to support your business. And I think this is a really smart, scrappy way to do it. And um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come here is to show people, listen, there, there's a multiple ways to start a restaurant. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to go spend $500,000 or get yourself into this crazy amount of debt to get started. And that's why that's really what I want to showcase today is what you guys are doing is getting creative, thinking outside the box, leveraging relationships, finding those win-win situations and just starting what's going through your mind. I see you guys kind of thinking as I'm talking. Yeah, that's what you just said really hit it. That's, um, you know, for everybody to, to start a restaurant, their own brick and mortar, that's usually what it takes. And it's almost unreachable because it's yeah. so much money. And like, who's going to throw like a half a million dollars at you and say, oh, yeah, here, that sounds like a great idea. Like, yeah. Take my money and let's do it. But in a year, a year or two more of, of working out of this space, growing your following, building that, con- like, you know, showing the number that the needle's been moving. Now you're not as much of a risk. You're a proven concept. I agree. Uh, it's definitely going to help us out more in the future. Yeah. So what's different about the sushi you're doing here versus other sushi places in Chicago? It's, I mean, the the age of, you know, essentially just rolls, sauces, um, super heavy ingredients in there, like, you know, cream cheese or whatever, I, I kind of steer away from. It's yeah. It's been here for, you know, the last since like the early 90s going into the 2000s where it became popular but now it's all about clean flavors um omakase has been like booming in chicago the past i would say like five to seven years what's omakase it's so it's leave it up to the chef okay and we run a tasting menu so we run 19 courses and there's a lot of places popping up they're getting michelin stars now they have their own sushi counters doing the exact same concept yeah why is that better do you think or is it, is it better? So people... Do you think it's better? I think it's better. when I, It's it's going to be the best experience you'll get for sushi. Why? And, and again, because, you know, from the early 90s to 2000s, everybody was just eating rolls. Yeah. Um, steering away from nigiri. But now it's just like, let's let's have the fish, like, be the highlight, yeah. be the star of I also everything. feel like the American public had to be kind of exposed to sushi. You know, like, generally speaking, it's, I mean... I would say it's probably a relative. It's been around, but the U.S. consumer, the U.S. palate, for most people, 20 years ago, it was still kind of like adventurous eating, right, at that point. But now I feel like it's kind of a staple. You know, it's commonplace. Most communities have a sushi place, right? So I think it's not as strange anymore. So you can kind of – you have that that luxury. We've, we've broken the ice, yeah, which has opened the way for you to get more creative. Yeah, it's like – Okay, first I'm eating, you know, a veggie roll because yeah. I want to get into sushi. And then yeah. I'm feeling adventurous. I'm going to get a spicy tuna. I'm eating raw fish now. Yeah. And now people, their palates have evolved and now they just want just the fish itself. They just yeah. want to taste it, how sushi is meant to be eaten. So that's why there's this omakase boom in Chicago. It's been around, you know, the world forever, but it yeah, just exactly. caught up to Chicago. Exactly. And I'd say a lot of smaller communities across the country, people are, people in like, Day in Ohio can have the same palate as somebody in Los Angeles or San Francisco because food is just traveling faster than ever before with social media. We the bar is being risen across the bar. Like everybody wants to experience those things at home now. Um, so 
I mean, anything we haven't discussed up to this point as far as your journey, as far as where you're going, as far as lessons learned, things you would have done differently. Pretend the version of yourself a year and a half ago, two years ago, before opening was listening. What could what could you go back and tell yourself two years ago that you wish you knew? Trust the process. <laughs> this guy says it all the time. Um, but I'm one to like kind of freak out. And... Um, I wear my heart on my sleeve all the time, and you'll know if I'm freaking out. Um, and it's easy to, because uh, it's very real, you know. Um, but when you when you can stick to your guns like we have, and really stay true to what you want to put out, like people resonate with that. And that doesn't really matter if it's food or whatever it may be, whatever industry it is. Um, someone out there cares, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like the that's like the coolest thing. It's like someone someone believes in you, and sometimes it's not even yourself all the time. In my in my perspective, um, but a lot of really good things can happen with consistency and a lot of hard work. Yeah, and you know, I think I can really um, get behind that sentiment with two recent interviews I recorded just before coming in here. Yeah. One, I'll, I'll resurface again. Catherine Wood just mentioned her. We're talking about the the six elements of. Uh, what she calls the power of one brand. So like this idea of like knowing your core focus and getting like the power of one is what she calls it. And there's six elements to that. And one of those elements is brand. And what she means by that is know who you are. And the second element that reinforces that we had Gina Wickman, the author of traction in the EOS life and, uh, get a grip and a whole bunch of books. But what we were discussing during his interview is the 10 disciplines to be a healthier, more energized version of yourself. And one of the big things we talked about during that conversation was know thyself. If you want to go the distance, you need to have that self-awareness of who you are, what drives you, what the journey is the way, you know, (laughs) embrace the now do what I want to do. And if I'm authentic and true to that, my people will find me. But the small I think the smaller you start, like you guys did, the the easier it is to stay true to yourself. Cause then you don't have to start chasing money to, to pay the bills. You're shaking your head. What's yes, but what are your thoughts? I I, I, I agree with you because we did get I always tell people like we got business light. Like we got like running a business one oh one. Like we didn't get a tidal wave of responsibility right at the beginning so like when you say like we were able to focus on little things that were so impactful for us without getting overwhelmed by everything that comes with running a business and worrying about like we yeah there was a struggle of having employees who were here but also it it was like the biggest blessing because we didn't have to hire anybody and we could teach them and we can run things like we had equipment here that might not be the best but it was here you know like it was like yeah, we didn't love the plates, but okay, we you have, have plates. plates. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like what yeah. a blessing. Like there's tables and there's a bar and there's a beautiful beverage program here. Like yeah, it allowed us to like focus on things that really impacted us and mattered. And then we had people who really at the end of the day cared about our success. So when I nod my head, it's more of like a yeah, we were so fortunate and lucky to have people who cared about us. Like mm. that's, that's Chef really Patrick, what it is. do you have thoughts? No, I, I, yes, I do have thoughts. I, I agree too. Um, now, now we know how much equipment is. 
Right. Like we walk into a restaurant now, we're like, that's five thousand, that's seven thousand, that's yeah. ten thousand, that's that's forty thousand dollars. It's real easy to spend five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, you know? and yeah. you would run out real quick. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's nice to have Andrew here. Like he says, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, he's talking about like we have plates. He he would freak out when I show him, you know, the the, the plates <laughs> I want, and he's just like, absolutely not. And yeah. you know, I would just pull the trigger anyways and do it. Anything we haven't discussed up to this point that you that you think you can speak u- uniquely to things we should know? You can just turn that to me, okay? Um, <laughs> Deflected. <laughs> I guess. I guess um, what I would speak on is a little bit more of like the team behind us. Yeah, that really lets us do what we do. Okay, you just um, made me think of the question I had for you. Okay, that go for it, please. So one thing that we've learned is that you need a shared vision, right? How do you have a shared vision with two businesses operating under the same roof? How do you, cause you don't pay the bartenders, do you? No, but you, they're serving your guests. Correct. So how are you guys all pulling in the same direction with two different concepts, two different visions? Well, what, for, what's the common ground? Well, for front of house, um, our food is not cheap yeah. and they're making tips on it. So yeah. they know that if they do a good job and they serve things well, it doesn't matter who's making money on that end. They're making tips, and they're doing well, and they believe in our, our product, it's too. symbiotic. Yes, and we don't, like, differentiate when we speak to them. It's not like, I don't, don't like, oh, I don't care if you don't sell alcohol. It's like, no, yeah. like, I want you to learn that all of our products here and sell it, like, beautifully so our guests can come in and have an experience because at the end of the day, the guests should not care if it's two entities or not. Yeah. They're here to enjoy themselves. And that's what Chicago's all about. Go out and have yourself a meal, have a beautiful experience. Um, so that's how we present it to them. But at the same time, like at the end of the day, like you don't come to work to not, not make money, right? Mm. We try to make this place as simple and efficient to make money and have a comfortable life. Like I know what it's like to go to a place and be able to kill it. And my entire goal for our staff here is to have that feeling to come in. It's like I'm going to kill it today. I have. I'm gonna go hang out with my friends, and then afterwards we might we might go out for a drink. Yeah, and that's that's really what it is. Got it. What's what's going through your, your head, Chef my, Patrick? <laughs> um, no, you you guys are touching all the subjects. Yeah, you're you're hitting it. But yeah, the team the team behind everything is they're the ones that make it happen. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And nobody really sees that. They're the ones taking care of everything, putting out fires every day. Um, but yeah, like all thanks to them. Yeah. So our experiences with the staff here are very different. And right now, I would say everyone here, front of house, is like is a Jinsei Moto CH Distillery staff. They're here for both. They're not here just for one side or not. But Patrick is dealing with the back of house, which is very different. And those are primarily our guys that Patrick has handpicked out and built his own team. Um, Do you pay them or does it see? We pay our chefs. Okay. Um, CH handles the front of house labor. Got it. Um, So it's, I wouldn't say it's a disconnect. It's just like how a restaurant runs, you know, like back of house does their thing, their grind. And then when it comes to service, like the front of house does their grind, but Obviously, back house is still getting their asses kicked. You well, know here's what kind of what's going through my head right now. Um, you can segment a restaurant. There's front of house. There's back of house. There's lanes. Yeah. And 
usually those two are looked at as separately. Why not have two different businesses that do the same thing? But at the end of the day, you still need both, right? Yeah, yeah. So whether we own this part of things and we give you a cut of our our profits or our sales to get access to the space, any either way, you're still in your lanes. You're running the food side. Right. They're running the liquor side. By the end of the day, you need each other. It's a group effort. And the, the goal is to make money. And we can get we can get behind that, right? Absolutely. We can share that mission. We can share that, and to and to to do what you want to do, right? And to have that that liberty and that freedom to do what you want to do, and the fact that they're giving you that, I mean, awesome. You know, like how much is do you, would you say you get that freedom that you need to to execute your vision here? The freedom to execute our vision, definitely. Yeah, one hundred percent. Autonomy. Um, we need that's it. that's the nice relationship between uh, Tremaine, who's the owner of CH, and Tony's a GM. Um, they just give us free reigns. It's like, do what you want. Like they're not nitpicking at us, telling us not to do this or do this. It's just like you do what you have to do, and then we got your back. Yeah, and that's like that's the best possible scenario to be in. A lot of people, you know, could end up in a space but have someone else in their ear telling them like this is my space this is how it should be ran this is what you should be doing but there's none of that so I'm, we're very blessed and we're very grateful for awesome. that yeah. so Restaurant Stoppable's mission statement is to inspire empower and transform the restaurant industry I know you guys have been owners for two years now but that's a plenty of time to transform as an individual if you own a restaurant so how have you both transformed in that two period of time how have you evolved it's it's still a, a learning process again, like I said before. But as for evolving, it's shit, man. It's it's very tough. Like there's still a lot of challenges every day, but we just just have to learn from our mistakes and build off of that. What's the biggest mistake you've learned from? Um, I. We haven't made too many mistakes. Like, not detrimental mistakes, rather. Um, I would say the biggest thing of how I try to transform every single day is, like, like I said, I'm an emotional dude. Uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll admit that. Um, but it's, like, just being composed. Like, there are certain, like, there are certain times where, like, in my life, I've known I can be just, like, just act how I want, you yeah. know, but now you are like, you're leading people to do something and you have to stay composed mm. all the time. And like, I mean, freaking last weekend we had a conversation outside. I'm like, dude, you lost your cool. And I'm like, you're right. I did. Now yeah. I'm going to go apologize to these guys because like, Hey, I'm sorry. I love you so much. Like, like for real, like I am out of line. Like just cause I'm passionate about what we're doing here does not give me the right to like, to be like, you have to be perfect. And that, that's not a bad thing. That's the way I look at it. You, you have to treat everyone with the utmost respect because they deserve it. And they're here like really carrying out the vision that you want. And like without them, you're nothing. And, um, people here like like patrick is really great at that uh, eric is uh pretty much patrick's right hand man when it comes to back of house he i have all these great mentors around me who like really try to mold me to be that person and it's it's not like a overnight thing but it's definitely something that i feel like i'm getting better at and i will get better at but if, if you're asking me one thing that how have you transformed it's like how do you 
can you really take yourself out of your mind in that moment and look at the bigger picture and and like speak with a calm tone and treat people with the utmost respect because that's the only thing that's going to work you know Mm. like that that for me that's like a very personal thing for me yeah um, that i will say but i mean that's it for me i don't know like any final thoughts before we go to the speed round patrick you want to get him out uh let's do it all right we're gonna take one more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to bust out a speed round recently on the show you've been hearing it come up often restaurant systems pro if you've become interested i highly recommend you sign up for the restaurant system pro 60 day pilot program this is something that's never been done before this 60 day event is at no cost to you but it's not for everyone Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Grind grind can you get behind that chef patrick i'm behind that grind okay. for sure what is your biggest weakness <laughs> <laughs> emotional <laughs> would you get behind that patrick uh yes but time too we don't have a lot of time but yeah you have to, you have to make as much time to yes time got it what Great is answer. what is one question or thing you look for a question you ask or a thing you look for when you're growing your team when you're recruiting when you're trying to build that team teamwork okay how do you know they have, they have teamwork i can just feel it okay it's, is that your answer too chef patrick yeah well i'm stage someone will come in and what um, are you looking for when they stage um initiation they take initiation yes got it what is your biggest challenge today Andrew's on the mic right now. Um, no challenges. No, no challenge. Wow, impressive. Uh, I, I disagree. Uh, just going to <laughs> taking the next step, right? Taking like the next step. Working, what is the next step? Um, probably our own brick and mortar. So yeah. just again, grind. What's the challenge with that? Um, we're not. It's going to be all us. Yeah, one hundred, hundred percent, all us. Yeah. What is 
Do you want to ask him before asking this question? I'm not worried about that. I think we can handle it. Okay. Share one code of conduct or behavior. A code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. A core value, a way to be, a way to act. You got to answer. Gratitude. Yeah, I like that. Gratitude. I love it. Beautiful. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So it's something that you do to go above and beyond what the guest expects. Cleanliness. I'll agree. Cleanliness for sure. I was wiping water off the floor earlier today because I brought in all my gear and it had water. I was afraid someone was going to slip. And I was like, wow, the floor is really clean. I was like, there's like, I was like, I'm just getting the water. There's no dirt. I love it. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Oh, man. You got your Tony Robbins hero over there. You don't have one of his yeah, books you want to mention? I don't read a lot. <laughs> Audiobook. Um, I'll read good. Yeah, that's 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 very rare, but I I do listen to a lot of Gary V. Yeah. And he's all about business and emotions, like leveraging that. Um that's that's what it might be. Give me a lesson that he, you learned from Gary V about leveraging emotion. Leveraging emotion. Isn't that what you just said? Business and leveraging emotion. Like uh, there's like twelve characteristics. Emotions, one of them. Grat- I go back to gratitude all the time. Yeah. So whatever you're pissed off about, whatever's bothering you, just reach in your pocket that gratitude. And was then- that a Gary V book? Yeah, it, it was-, was his latest book. I. I'm, I know the book you're talking about. The, the title is escaping. We'll have it in the show notes. I'll look it up. Jared's going to call yeah, me out on but this. But gratitude is what stood out to me the most. Got it. Do you have a book you want to add? Do you think of something? No. I wish I did. Oh, you know what? <laughs> My favorite book of all time is Ishmael. I don't know if you all read that or What's, heard about it. I have, but I, I'm not, I don't it's really. It's about um, like how the world came to be and why we're into societal thing that we are. And it kind of just opens your eyes to realize like life is not as serious as it is paints to be um i mean i guess that's really all i'll say but um like yeah and like everything's kind of fake you know every like why do we live this way it, it, it's all made up nobody sees the world through your filter but you exactly So what you lose your shit over what you care about what keeps you up at night right nobody else gives a fuck about exactly <laughs> and it, that's true like we get caught up in our own heads of yeah. like what are people it's thinking like, it, we're in really I don't mean this in a bad way. It's like we're really not that important and like things aren't really as crazy as they seem. So stop freaking out about it and just like try to enjoy things and take the things that you find important seriously and not what people are telling you to find important seriously. Yeah. And that's that's what I really took yeah. from that book. And the, the title of Chef Patrick's book is 12 and a half leveraging the emotional ingredients necessary for business success by Gary V. Uh, the next question I have for you is what is one piece of technology that you don't hate that you recently developed or uh, adopted <laughs> that's having a good impact on your business that you would like to share with other people? Uh, AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're on that subject, I'd say like the Apple Watch too. So yeah, with staff, you know, you get a, you get a notification and they're just like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, hey, come on, we're running service here. <laughs> I know we said no phones. That includes your watch. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, this is the last question. I'm sure you're gonna roll your eyes at me, but pay attention. I'll try to speak loudly for you. Um, if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure. 
with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you can leave behind for the good of humanity and your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? And you guys can share these three pieces of wisdom. You can give me your own three each, whatever you want to do. Okay. Um, the first thing that came to my mind is family. Um, I think we take that for granted when we're younger, and then it's a little too late when sometimes when it really matters. Um, like family is, is it's for real. Yeah, so even one. if it's if it's not great, like stick with your family. Um, Can you get behind that, Chef Patrick? Um, second is um, trust yourself and believe in yourself. That's two. And then uh, lastly would be... You're not going to let Chef Patrick give one? You want to get Oh, I'm going to let him do his own three. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And lastly for me is, um, like, again, it's, it's it's don't take things so seriously and, and do what you want to do. Got it. All right, Chef Patrick, you're up to the plate, man. Three things, three pieces and, of wisdom. Andrew touched on a lot of them. Like, we, we hang echo, out, echo the ones that you we want. We hang out a lot all the time. We're best friends. So family? But family for sure. Yeah. I have a family. I have a, a year and a half old daughter. So that for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to like time. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of it. So use your time wisely. Again, yeah. it'll go back to family. It is the one great equalizer, though. No matter who you are, what privilege you have, where you are, what your status in life is, we all get 24 hours in a day. Yep. So it's a, I think it's a one thing that levels the playing field. What do you do with your time? With my I, it's family. No, it's, yeah, but you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Got definitely it. what so you family, do with your time. What you do with your time? Um, three. Again, trust. Like yeah. that's one thing Andrew and I learned from each other this whole time doing business, um, even being friends. Trust each other. Like, and we're both two different characters. Um, I'm thinking different. He's gonna think different. But we have to meet in the middle, trust each other, or just go on someone else's decision and just kind of like, let's do it. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you guys so much for taking the time. I know this was kind of a shotgun interview. We rolled in at like 6 p.m. on a busy night, and we said, like, hey, can we do an interview? You accommodated us. You're both sitting here. I just can't say thank you enough for your flexibility. And uh, it's really cool to get uh, that perspective when people are going through it and when they're in it two years into it making big like and, and this is how we got to think as restaurateurs today we can't we can't just take the the standard mold of what was done in the past i think you got to get outside of the what's traditional get scrappy look for opportunity and just make shit happen and you guys are doing it totally inspirational thank you guys so much for taking the time yeah, to let thank us you so much to like let us share your story and um we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out so who who do you two respect and admire in the industry right now do you have somebody you look up to? If, the, if there was somebody we could get on the show and you're like, if that person was a guest in your show, I would absolutely fucking listen to that shit. I would say a person that we have in common that we would agree on is probably Chef Mariano from Sushi Doku down the street here. Chef Mariano. He's the one that trained me. He's essentially a mentor. He always has the right word to say, no matter what it is. It's always nice. It's pleasant. And he'll... Whatever he says, it's going to guide you in the right direction. Chef Mariano, you're on our radar. We'd love to make it happen. And uh, how can we connect with you? How can we find you? Are you hiring? What's going on? Always hiring. We're always looking yeah. for talent. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Cool. Yeah. And how can we connect? Uh, Jinseimoto.com or our Instagram, jinsei.moto. Um, but a uh, website has everything to, yeah. to reach us. And that's sure. Jinsei, G-I, and sorry, J. J I N S E I M O O sorry M O T T O I'm dyslexic I'm dyslexic as a motherfucker over here 
reading things is not my forte. Um, but I'll say that one more time. Julia, India, November, Sierra, Echo, India, Moto, um, Mike, Oscar, Tango, Tango, Oscar. If that's you guys it. know what I'm saying, that's you know what it. I'm saying. If you yeah. know, you know. That's where you can go. That's the web. Just, just search that and you'll find these guys. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, there is no question. You're unstoppable. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guests today, Andrew Troy and Patrick Buffon, for coming on the show and sharing your story. And I love episodes like this. I love connecting with people who are having success early and getting creative and thinking outside the box in order to execute the success in Andrew and Patrick, you guys are shining examples of that. So excited to watch your continued growth and to see where you end up in the next five years. And uh, I'd love to get you back on the show to kind of pick up where we left off. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want more episodes, just like it. Here is how you support the mission to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. You can share this podcast with everybody and anyone you know aspiring to be great in the restaurant industry. You can support our affiliates. These are the tools and services my guests recommend organically during the show. You can also support our sponsors. Head to whatever the call to action is at the end of an ad. And if you take those calls to action, if you're interested, then they know that their ads are working and that supports the show. Uh, you can come hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. I admit I've been a little absent in the network lately. And sometimes you got to slow down the speed up. And that's kind of what's going on here. The vision for the network going forward is uh, me kind of getting out of the way a little bit and extending trust to the people in my network to say, I trust you to share your knowledge and to pay it forward. And I don't need to be there. So right now what I'm kind of doing is brainstorming and, and asking myself, who do I want to give free reign in the network? Who are the people who've had huge impact on me, who've really impressed me and who I trust to have standing space in the network to share what they got going on. And that's kind of what we're going through right now. And then lastly, if you have not yet head over to youtube.com slash restaurant unstoppable, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Sam from Sav and Sam.com is doing a great job over there, growing the YouTube channel and taking that to the next level. And I cannot say goodbye without thanking the people who help make this podcast possible. I already mentioned Sam from Sav and Sam.com for the videography and for the social media. And we can't forget Jared over at Sumadre Podcast for the copyright and the editing. It takes a team, and I'm so grateful for my team. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.